It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and URFM 103.7. We've got Jan straight up from Macquarie Hills and something's eating Jan's apples. How can we help you with them, Jan? Um, I was just wondering if that was either flying fox or, or um, possums or what do you think it might have been? Do they need covering with the net? Oh, I, I reckon they probably do. I'm pretty impressed that you've got uh, apples growing out at Macquarie Hills. How, how do you get them to grow? Oh, they're growing mad. Yeah? Cause you... It's not very... The tree's not that tall, but mm-hmm. it's probably uh, six... Oh, it's over six foot, but yes. That's fantastic. So how long have you had them there? Oh, not long. Because uh, I've I've always thought the rule of thumb is with apples that, uh, you know, you, you can't really get them to grow here in Newcastle. They have to be out, you know, where you're getting more of a chill, you know, either out west of the ranges or, you know, around Cessnock yeah, and, and some yeah. of those, uh, you know, those hollow spots where you might get a, a frost or something coming in. So that's fantastic that you've actually got apples growing out at Macquarie Hills. I'm, I'm really proud of you. <laughs> that's my son's, but yeah, that's his doing. And you prefer, um, you prefer green apples, do you, for making the apple pie? Well, or? Is, these are green at the moment. I think they're green apples anyway, but okay. yes. Uh, but they're a bit bigger. They're probably like a small plum size, some of them, but they go smaller But where they've been chewing at them, and they're dropping the bits all on the ground. There's a few leaves. Look, I reckon it could be either. It could be either land-born or uh, airborne, or you could have one of those flying pygmy possums, I guess, that have sort of crossed both barriers. But I reckon you could either have flying fox uh, or, the, you know, the bats, or you could have the possums, because either one will come in and have a you know a red-hot go on any fruit at this time of year. Uh, look, I know there's a mango tree across the road from the nursery at Merriweather, and all of a sudden I've found these, these green mangoes sort of dropped all throughout the nursery, and I think the flying foxes are coming in and getting them and picking them up or something. Or and dropping them the way through. Yeah, dropping them like little mango bombs all over the place. So, <laughs> oh, right, because we've got mangoes too. Yeah, so look, that, the smell of those could be attracting them. I live over at Carrington, and we've got a little uh, flying fox colony over there, and as dusk comes on, you know, they just take to the skies like the Luftwaffe, um, you know, going to bomb <laughs> London. They Off they go. So it could certainly be that. And, and I've seen possums go into all sorts of weird and wonderful places. We used to feed a possum that we had out when we lived out at New Land, and he came in and had apples every night. So I can vouch that possums love apples as well. But I've, I've seen them eat all sorts of weird and wonderful things. So uh, I think probably netting for you is going to be the best thing. And also make sure that you secure it to the ground as well, because I've heard tales of the flying foxes even getting in underneath the nets and going oh, up in under. Right. So, yeah, make sure you try and secure it to the ground as best as possible, you know, like peg, pegging it or bricking it down to the ground. Right, yeah. Thank okay. you very okay. much. Okay, well, good luck with it. Very proud of you, Jan. Thank you. Okay, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers, Jan. We've got Lorraine now from Tanilba Bay, and she's got a question about Chinese tallow wood tree. How can we help you, Lorraine? Yeah, there's um, these little black bugs or insects attacking the leaves on the tree. Yes, okay. Now, with Chinese tailorwood or sapium, they're a little medium-growing deciduous tree, and probably one of the only deciduous trees that gets a really good you know, autumn colour around here in Newcastle, so they're a great little tree to grow. Uh, they get a scale insect on them, and it's quite prevalent on uh, sapiums, on Chinese tallow woods. Uh, so a scale is just a little windborne insect, and they get uh, blown around by you know, the wind, and they land on your tree, and they go, ha-ha, very tasty, nice and juicy, and they form a little shell over themselves. It's a sort of a waxy shell, and yeah. it's very hard to get through that. So that's why you have to use uh, malathon and white oil, uh, mixed together. What happens is the white oil actually sort of breaks down and permeates uh, through the uh, the uh, scale shell, 
And that takes with it the insecticide down in to actually kill the little guy, little critter uh, in underneath there. Uh, so when you're spraying, you have to be really liberal, spraying all over the tree until it's running off. And, uh, you know, again, do it again in a couple of weeks' time because there could, could still be some little babies sort of lurking around or blowing around in the area. And so you have to give them that second go. With scale, you know that it's dead because it sort of dries off and you can just flake it off very easily with your uh, fingernail. Yeah. Uh, if it's still alive, it's actually quite hard to pick off because it's sort of waxy and joined onto the plant. So, uh, yeah, give that, that white oil and malathon a go and see how you go with it. How do you spell the M-A? Oh, M-A-L-A-T-H-I-O-N. I think I got it then. I was just <laughs> visualising it. So, <laughs> Look, the other thing with sapiums, for anyone who's thinking about planting them, uh, they do sort of get a, a root system that bulges up around the trunk. and it, So never put it too close to pavers or uh, you know a, a wall of a house or anything like that. Give it, even though it's only a medium-growing tree, give it a bit of space because uh, it sort of has a shallow root system initially and then they go down a bit deeper. Um, so you always give your, your sapium a bit of space, not near anything that might get uh, sort of bulged up, uh, like a yeah. path or pavers. So the, out in the middle of the yard somewhere is fantastic. Yeah, we've got it in the middle of the backyard. We actually got it to replace a, um, a liquid amber. Oh, yeah. And look, that's a much better sized tree, a, a Chinese tailor wood. Mm. Uh, and look, quick growing as well. So they, they, they you know, sort of fill in a space very, very quickly. And just a, another quick question, yeah. the, the lower branches, if we cut them off, will the top bush up more? Uh, you look, it certainly will. You'll, you'll form a trunk and uh, yeah, it will start to bush up more. Look, naturally, uh, Chinese tallow wood will form up a trunk. So that's, you know, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. By stripping off some of those bottom branches, you're actually sort of, uh, it's like solar panels, I guess, you know, on your, on your uh, roof. If you took off some solar panels, you're not going to get as much power down into your house to, you know, charge up your battery or your uh, hot water or whatever. You're having a cold, nice cold shower. And it's the same with the tree. If you start stripping off some of those bottom branches, you're actually going to be reducing the amount of power you know from the sun it can draw in to make the plant grow so it's sort of going to be having a cold shower as well for a while if you keep on stripping off those bottom branches but yeah, certainly no, it's, it's, it's entirely possible uh, to do it if you want to yeah there's, there's just a couple sort of right down near the, the actual ground oh, yeah. that um, I was thinking of, of taking off so the, the rest of the tree would grow up. Yep, look, certainly yeah. certainly do that. Uh, whenever you, you cut off a substantial branch, you know, something with any size on it, uh, there's a product called SteriPrune that you can get. It's a tar-based paint, and that actually seals up any wound that you might get on the tree because you don't want a, a wound like that that's opened and any mm. insect and disease can get into that, uh, that sort of open area. It's like putting okay. a Band-Aid on the tree. Okay. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks, Lorraine. Not a problem. Bye. Now, Scott, you mentioned at the top of the show, tropical plants, hot weather. It's the time to get them in. Time to get them in. Yeah. Because, well, he, oh, sorry, yes. <laughs> well, is, is it, well, it's cooling soon, isn't it? I know we've had like scorching days. Yes. But kind of temperatures we'd hope would be on the slide. But I reckon it still stays, you know, fairly warm here in Newcastle. I remember going to the beach in May the last couple of years. Okay. Yeah. That's a fascinating story. Yeah, well, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to say that it stays warm here in Newcastle, you know, long enough to, to get these plants in now, if you want to. Okay, Drew, so we've got temperatures around that high 20s. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Even, even in the mid-20s, it's still okay. I guess, uh, you know, tropical plants don't like dropping down below 18, uh, you know, 15 degrees. Once you get down below that, that's, you know, going to be... Luckily, here in Newcastle, we only have, you know, lower temperatures for you know, a couple of months, really. Yep. Our winters aren't that bad here. No, they're not. It's actually no, quite pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, you've got a few plants for us there. I thought we'd talk about a couple of plants. Of course, there's the evergreen frangipani. It is a fantastic plant to have. Uh, it will sort of shed its leaves a little bit here in Newcastle, but it largely stays evergreen. Uh, it's got really big, glossy green leaves, and of course, the white flowers with the yellow centres. Uh, look, an amazing plant, a very tough plant. And this is the Plumeria pudica. Right. Uh, the evergreen well frangipani. Uh, just gives that little tropical look to your garden. Now, if you want some colour, in your garden. And look, I'm sure they dress the sets on Magnum PI with these every <laughs> single day. Hibiscus. Hibiscus. Yes, in Hawaii. Hibiscus are such an undersold plant. Can you make tea out of that? I don't know about that one. We'll have to look that know. up and I, find out. I may have just made <laughs> that up in the slides. <laughs> I love the way you just toss stuff in. But I thought hibiscus, you know, they're, they're a little bit undersold here in Newcastle. They are a fantastic tough plant to have up around the beach. And at the same time, you get amazing colour. They're quick growing. They're prunable. Uh, you can have a variety of colours if you want to. Uh, you can, you know, if you feel like it, you can just walk out on your way to work and pluck a flower out and stick it in behind your ear, and people are going to smile and wave at you as you catch the bus off to work. I'm, I'm sure they'll be smiling and waving. I'm sure they will be. But <laughs> hibiscus, a really, really tough salt plant for Newcastle, uh, and look, will do well in a pot as well because they're so prunable. And finally, I thought we'd talk about the Brainius nervosa, which is the snow bush this is the red one rosea it's sort of a pinky blushy uh tropical looking plant so if you want to get some color into your garden uh brainia uh nervosa rosea is a fantastic plant to have it doesn't get too tall uh, only gets to about one to two meters but uh again will grow in the full sun uh to part shade and really give some lovely color uh to your garden again very very prunable uh, a really great plant to have in your garden uh, look, I think one of the problems with tropical plants here in Newcastle, people often, you know, I had a lady at work uh, on, on Sunday, she came in, yep. she just built a new pool, uh, completely open, but all of a sudden she wants to have a tropical garden and tropical gardens largely need a little bit of shade. Uh, but these plants that I've just mentioned then are quick growing and will actually provide some, you know, sort of cover and they will grow out in the full sun for you and give you that tropical look while, you know, you're perhaps you're waiting for some palms to get up a little bit higher for yep. you and give you that uh you know afternoon shade very good yeah very good it is gardening talk back any questions for scott sharp 4921626 and we've got Anne from the hunter wildlife rescue and she's got some ideas about catching flying foxes uh, how can we help you Anne? or how can you help us i guess is more important <laughs> yeah well it's not actually for catching them it's for avoiding them being caught in netting yes over fruit trees there aren't any any netting that has a hole bigger than one centimetre square yes. will catch flying foxes, birds and snakes. Mm -hmm. They'll get caught in it, so it's best if you get the the um, fruit netting from hardware stores that's a bit like your kitchen nylon curtains, uh, where you can see through it yes. and it's very fine. And that also actually keeps the fruit fly out. Yes, I've seen, is, I've seen that very, very fine one, and it does yes. do a really good job. And it probably also yes. shade, helps shade the tree a little bit as well. Yes, a yeah. little bit too, yeah, but yeah. it does keep all out all the bugs, so therefore you get, get more fruit value anyway. But yes, the other, we have many, many flying foxes getting caught at the moment in netting. Have, have, it damages their wings, and often they... Some can't recover, oh. and um, other ones, people let them out, and they fly off, and their wings fall to pieces where it's been bruised. Oh, that's terrible. So, yeah, we're having, and with the mangoes, fruiting and everything at the moment, that's and the figs, that's the high risk yeah. at the moment. And, and look, do you hear stories of them getting in under the nets? I was just saying to people to try and yes. actually peg them, uh, you know, down to the ground so the animal can't get in there and, you know, perhaps well, get caught. 
That's right. If they do that, they can even tie it just around the trunk oh, yeah. of so the tree. That's an excellent idea, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, therefore, you don't even have to peg it down because possums can still push under that. But if you actually tie it around the trunk of the tree, nothing can get in. And and it's much safer for all our wildlife. Oh, that's great. Thank you very much for that, Anne. Okay. okay. And if anyone does have a flying fox get caught, yes. they can ring the wildlife group on 0418-NATIVE. 0418-NATIVE. That's excellent. Yes. Thank you very much for that, Anne. We really appreciate okay. it. Thank you very okay. much for listening. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You know, I saw another good idea, and this has nothing to do with animals the other yep. day, uh, when it was so very, very hot. Uh, someone had just had an old, you know, pot plant that they had, and they obviously were, you know, looking after and trying to protect it. They just yep. got an umbrella and sort of stuck it in there and shaded the plant with the umbrella. That is a kind of a, a simple but yet ingenious idea. I'd never thought about it, never seen it, but I thought, what a fantastic idea! Um, you know, grab an old umbrella and just stick it over the plant to protect it for the day. That's a, quite clever. Yeah, yeah, good very nice, very nice way to do it. Did you take a photo? I didn't. I just stored it up here in the old non-photographic memory. <laughs> like a Polaroid, I spit it out straight away. We've got Bob now from Waters Bay, and he's after some advice about his dying lawn. How can we help you, Bob? G'day, gentlemen. Um, basically, I've top-dressed it. I've dug it up, replaced the turf, and in one patch, it just dies. It will not grow, regardless of what I do. Mate, is that just at this time of year, or would you say generally all year round? Generally all year round. It's on the medium strip section. Mm-hmm. Um, in the back, of, the back of my place, I've put the same turf down, done the same thing. Beautiful, big, lush green lawns. They're mowed regularly. But the front, yeah, it's just one patch, probably two and a half metre square sort of section, um, and it's just dead, absolutely dead. So usually what I reckon's happened there is at some point in time, you know, someone's dumped something there, some sand, or if you ever dig down, there's some rubble or something. And that's, it's, you know, the, the water's actually draining away from that section quite a lot and the root system can't establish itself. Uh, look, the only, right. you know, the only way to do that is to, you know, dig out your, your turf and have a really good dig around and try and replace that with some, you know, really good soil uh, to try and help that section out. Beautiful. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate the advice. Yeah, not a problem. Okay. Thanks for that, Bob. Thanks, gentlemen. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Now, Scott, you just got news of an event coming up very soon. It's the uh, the magic of modern technology here that just flies in here on the laptop. Uh, Hunter District Bromeliad Society. Uh, they're having a uh, meeting, a talk uh, this Saturday at one uh, thirty p.m. Uh, over in Adamstown at Henderson Park Hall, and that's in uh, Lockyer Street, so it's nice and easy to find. So they've just got a general discussion this month. Uh, they're also going to be talking about uh, Bill Burgess. Now they're a uh, Bromeliad. They're naturally from uh, Mexico and uh, you know northern Argentina, so down in that uh, sort of Central American. Uh, area yep. and they're a really beautiful uh, plant. They've got sort of stripy leaves, big red flowers. Uh, they grow very, very well here in a hanging pot, for instance. Uh, so if you uh, want to go and find out more about uh, bromeliads in uh, general or just bilbergias, uh, head along to the Hunter District Bromeliad Society uh, at Henderson Park Hall, Lockyer Street, uh, this Saturday at 1.30 pm. Uh, I'm sure they'll welcome you there very with good. open arms. Very good. Well, we've got Di from Adamstown, and she's got. She needs some advice about dying patches of grass. How can we help you, Di? Oh, good morning. Uh, no, good afternoon. I've got the grass has just suddenly um, got these round, brown, dead patches on them. So I'm not sure whether it's the grass or whether there's possibly something underneath eating the grass or killing the grass. Yes, it sounds like you've got a little critter in there eating the grass away, and it's the right time of year for that to be happening to not just your lawn, but. Uh, 
quite a lot of people's lawns. In fact, uh, it's a pretty regular thing at the moment. Uh, I can almost buy a new yacht on the uh, <laughs> on the amount of uh, army grub killer we've sold over the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, sorry. Is that anything to do with the, the moths? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. So uh, moths go around and they lay their little eggs and then the grubs come out and they're in there nibbling and chomping away at the root system of your lawn uh, and sometimes at the leaves as well. And that's why, you're, uh, you know, as it gets hotter and hotter and we haven't had much rain, that's why your grass is dying off because the root system's been, you know, pretty severely compromised by these guys in there uh, eating away. So you can treat it. Uh, what happens is, you know, like you've said, that starts in patches and it just keeps on spreading out. Uh, chances are they've already moved off from the patch uh, that's dead because there's nothing to eat there anymore. Yep. So there's lots of different army grub killers you can get out there. There's uh, hose-ons, there's spray-ons. You can use a watering can if you want to. There's also uh, granulars that you can use uh, in a shaker pack and shake it on. Uh, look, the main thing to do uh, with army grub is to make sure that you're using it at the right time. Uh, because these guys, you know, during the heat of the day, they go down deeper to try and stay nice and cool. And then as you get to, uh, towards dust, that's when they come back out up to feed and later on into the evening. So if you're going to do it, uh, best time is to go, uh, go out at night and uh, give it a good old uh, go then. Okay, and what would you recommend out of all the products? Uh, look, they all work equally well. It's really about the way you apply it and you're doing it at the right time. Now... Uh, in addition to that, the other thing is because you, you know grass is not you know very happy, its root system's been eaten away. A great thing to do is to get some sea salt. It's great for the root system of plants, and uh, start using that on your lawn as well, just to build that root system back up. So it was an army grub. Yeah, army grub. So most of the uh, the uh, chemicals that are out there, they work uh, either on mole crickets, black beetle, or army grub. But because you've got the moth flying around, and it's that time of year, yeah. it sounds like you've got the army grub. Okay, thanks so much. Not a problem, Di. Give okay. it a red hot go. Thank you. Okay, thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Is that a common problem at the moment? It certainly is, yeah. Like I said, um, yeah, I could almost, you know, bank on how many, uh, you know, people are coming in at the moment. They bring their phones in and before they've even, you know, almost pulled it out and said, it's my lawn and you just go, yeah, this is what you need. Maybe. And then you, you give them a spiel about how to use it uh, because at this time of year, it's very, very common. It's actually coming a bit earlier this year and I think it's manifesting itself uh, because of the extremely hot days that we've had yep. and the root systems, are, you know, so much eaten away by them. The lawn's just not coping and it's... Um, uh, you know, it's all just dying off. The other thing I should, probably should have mentioned to die then, uh, and I did sort of touch on it, uh, is that where it's, you know, it's dead, they've already moved on from that. So it's important for anyone who's treating for army grub or any of these uh, insects is to do the whole lawn. Just don't do where you think they yeah. are. Make sure you do the whole lawn and then do it again in two weeks' time to try and break that egg cycle because if moths have come along, laid their eggs again, um, you know, they'll hatch out again and you'll have the problem all over again. Yep, so uh, make sure all the lawn at dusk and again in about two weeks' time and plenty of water and sea salt. Oh, very good. Well, we've got Max now from Blackalls Park. He's got a question about capsicums. How can we help you with the capsicums, Max? Yeah, hi. Um, what's happening is the plants are growing okay, but the fruit is failing. It just, even in a small size, it'll start to rot and it falls off. And, you know, it's, and then those few that do get to start turning colour... They just sort of get really soggy, and I, 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 I'm under I'm under the belief that it's like they're getting waterlogged, but I don't understand because we're not. I, I don't think we're overwatering. No, no. Look, that that sounds more like that you've got some sort of you know blossom end rot problem with the with the plant, uh, where you know there's a fungal disease and it's actually on the flower 
and then as it forms the fruit, it's sort of you know going down through the core and continuing on and creating that problem for you. So what I would do is there's uh, either copper oxychloride or Mancozeb Plus. Uh, they're both fungicides. And at the blossom stage, when the flowers are actually on the plant, I would spray with those one of those fungicides at that time and probably keep on spraying as well every couple of weeks just to try and get it under control. Uh, look, mate, also make up a drench in the watering can and water it uh, around the soil, uh, around the plants. You can water it all over the plants yeah. if you want to because the, those spores are actually in the ground. So when you're watering, uh, you know, they're bouncing back up onto the plant and that's probably where they're getting in. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So look, it's been, sorry. Like we tried a couple of years ago with capsicums, and we and we failed, and we thought, well, because they're getting water on the flat on the leaves, which we understand they don't like. So we went to like just the sprinkler at the base of them, you know, sort mm. of thing, and yeah. Look, and, and now I'm baffled because it was still happening that without we're, we're failing. So yeah, that's, that's what is it? Chlorine, uh, copperoxy chloride, or Mancozet Plus. And look, another question: Have you got them in pots, like with saucers underneath? No, them? no, no. They're just no, in the they're in they're in raised beds. Okay. Yeah, no, that that should be all right. I, I would definitely give a, some sort of fungicide a go and see if that uh, gets it under control for you. Okay. Cheers for that, mate. Okay. Have a good afternoon, Max. Thanks, boy. Thank you. Bye, bye. Love a good capsicum. Yeah, absolutely. I just love giving it the slice and sort of getting a little, you know, like a little bit of it, and you'd have a chomp at it and put it on the barbecue. So many options with them. There are, aren't there? Roasting them up. Yep. Champagne stuff. Champagne fruit. Is <laughs> it a fruit or a vegetable? It's a fruit. Oh, it's got a seed in it, so it would be a fruit, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're, you're the expert. Well, look, maybe <laughs> look, maybe you should be making up some uh, capsicum champagne. I mean, that would just cross or you know tick every box that you've just mentioned. Then you could, yeah, and then you could have the champagne in the capsicum. You could take the lid off and oh, fantastic, yeah, yes. just a little bit of bite. <laughs> We've got so many ideas. We've got Annette now from Carry On Gardening Talkback, and she says something unusual is eating her garden. Please describe, is it from out of space? Uh, where, where do you think it might be from, Annette? I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't tell you what it is because I don't know. It's like when I first found, I found one a couple of weeks ago and it's like it's got little fine pieces of straw in as a shell and I haven't been able to catch it doing anything but just today, not long ago, I saw it stick its head out and it actually eating the grass but it's not army grub that I can know of but it just looks like a, a little clump of straw so a, a little clump of it looks like fine you know straw like um, very fine straw string right and okay it, it's got like a when you look at it it's got like a funny little furry top on it but if you pick it up it doesn't move or but I actually call, I've got, I've picked up four today and it's like a little black grub coming out of this, like a clump of straw. Ooh, it, it sounds almost like some sort of weird sort of hermit crab, grass-eating hermit crab or something like that, doesn't it? Yeah, I, there, there's no legs, you can't see no legs on it. Ooh. There's no legs on it, it's a perfectly round circle, but it's about, oh, five mil long. The body, the, the straw part. You wouldn't be able to uh, take a photo and send us an email of this little beast, would you? Oh, look, I could. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Uh, Greg's now going to very uh, conveniently tell us what our email address here is. Uh, but uh, otherwise... Oh, that's all right, I'll look it up on the internet. Okay, fantastic, thank you. We've just put him on the spot and he's, it looked like he was going to fail very badly then. But... That's all right, I'll look it up like on the internet. Because it's, it's really weird. <laughs>
you've ba- you've bailed him out. Look, the only other thing I would say to you is, if it is some sort of insect, uh, any of the um, you know the army grub, the black beetle, the the mole cricket uh, insecticides are probably going to knock it on the head and give it a you know a run for its money. Uh, so, look, if you are worried about it, uh, treat it with one of those insecticides that you get. Well, I was actually blaming my husband for uh, giving a little bit of um, uh, fuel out of our whippersnipper, but I'm wondering now if it's this little critter eating the grass, because I've actually caught it eating the grass today. Oh, look, we'll have a, have a bit each way. Blame your husband. It might have mutated from the, the fuel <laughs> yeah, that he's dropped on. It doesn't happen when I do it. No, no. Look, have a, have a bit each way. Don't, don't let him off the hook that easily. So, look, if you, could, if you could send us a photo, we'll be able to identify it or we'll at least be very scared by it. Um, oh, it's not a scary thing. It's just <laughs> <cool> <laughs> looking. Um, one thing I'd like to ask you to... I've got a, um, a lime tree in a pot. Yes. And the, um, it's growing really, really well. And I've got lots of little uh, lines on it. Yep. But the, uh, the, um, the leaves are curling up. Yeah, so look, you've probably got the other thing that's very common at the moment. It's called citrus leaf miner. And again, it's a little moth that comes along and uh, flies around and lays its eggs on the new growth of citrus trees. And then you get this weevil that actually goes in between the membrane of the nice, new, soft, juicy leaves. So if you, I reckon if you went out and picked off some of those um, you know, leaves, you'd actually see it in there sort of burrowing through the membrane of the leaf. Now, the, uh, once it's in there, look, it's a bit of bad luck. You can't really do anything to get rid of that except for prune it off. Uh, the the thing to do is actually use a product called uh, eco oil as a preventative. So whenever you think there's some new growth about to come on, you know if we've had rain or you know springtime, you know like the, the the weather we've got at the moment, and you're seeing your citrus come on with new growth, you get out there with the eco oil and treat it. Uh, you do it about once a week until the growth hardens off and goes that dark green, because then the moth actually can't lay its egg, and okay. the little, the little weevil. I've got white oil, but that do the same thing. Uh, look, I don't know that it does do the same thing. Uh, I'm not sure that it's registered to do that on most of the packaging. I would uh, give the eco oil a try. We certainly use it at work and we have a great result with it. Uh, we've been using it about once a week. Uh, if we forget about it, you know, bang, they're in there yeah. and I'll have a go. But certainly once we get out there and do it, uh, it seems to work very, very well as a preventative and it keeps the uh, keeps the citrus leaf mine because it doesn't kill the plant, but it certainly disfigures it to a point yeah. where, um, you know... It's, it's not, look very sick. It looks very, very sick. So you might as well prune anything like that that's you know that's damaged and wait. A lot of the tree is very healthy. Now the last question, and I'm sorry, I've got it in pot. When sorry, I'm outside in the garden. That's right. When's a good time to be able to put that into the ground, please? Uh, if you look, you can plant a citrus year round. However, I probably wouldn't do it at the moment because if you have yeah, because you've got that. Well, it's too hot, and you've got all that fruit on there. Yeah. And if you disturb the root system in any way, the first thing it's going to do is drop all its. The fruit. Yeah, because you know if you get stressed, it, that's the first thing it'll do. It sort of drop its load, and off it'll go, and uh, make sure that it's going to survive for next year. So probably leave it until it's fruited, and then you can stick it in the ground if you want to. I was just going to say something funny to you. You're talking about spicing something up. Yes. I actually bought a, a capsicum plant, and it's weird because I put it in a coleslaw. And it's half chilli, half capsicum. Oh, never a, struck it before. That would spice things up. Oh, yes, yeah. it did. My husband nearly sat it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you. Bye. Well, it's Valentine's Day coming along. I thought uh, Annette was talking about spicing other things up then. That's but, what I thought. Uh, yeah. We're going to go a different road, but yeah, we didn't. So Thankfully, we went down yeah. the, the chilli road. The chilli road and the coleslaw road. <laughs> and I should point out, Scott, our email address... Yes. ...is actually a gardening at 2 Oh, they, they keep it so simple for us. It is. Yeah.
Simple and easy. Simple and easy. So gardening at 2NURFM.com if you'd like to send us any emails. We've got Derek now from Wanji, and I've got a question about cordy wine. How can we help you, Derek? Yeah, Scott, I've got a red cordy wine I've had for about a year in a pot. It's yes. in a sunny position, and no matter what, since I put it in the pot, I can't get the leaves to stay red. It's a bright, like a real dark, pinky colour cordy wine, yep, yep. and I can't get the leaves to stay pink. I've given it... Thrive. Uh, I've given it a bit of uh, other type of fertilizer, and I just can't get the leaves. They just look more like um, they've got browny streaks in them rather than pinky streaks. Right. Okay. Look, it may be to do with the uh, you know the pH of the potting mix. Uh, that could be right. some, that could be something. So. Uh, you know, it might be worth... I'll, I'll have to look that up for you just to find out exactly which way you might try and change the leaf colour. Uh, the other yep. thing is that, you know, anything in a pot's always going to, you know, not be as happy as when it was in the ground. Uh, you know, its root system just can't spread out as much as it needs to. So, uh, yep. you know, the plant could be a little bit stressed as well from, you know, lack of water and stuff in the heat. Uh, it just hasn't got that you know, foundation to, to uh, suck yep. from. Um, so, look, that could be the other thing. I'll, I'll make some investigations about that, about changing the leaf colour of your cordial line and see what we can do for you. Yes. It's in a fairly big pot and it came straight from the nursery into the pot mm -hmm. and I thought I did everything right but it's right near my front steps so it's always getting water when it needs it yep. but I've never been able to get the colours as they were in the nursery. Right now when yeah. you say it's at your front steps is it you know in more shade than the... No it's in a bit of bright sun actually. Okay. You get the morning sun and then when the sun goes behind the house it it'll get a bit of shaded sun, you know. Yeah, but, geez, that sounds ideal for a cordy line. They, you know, if you can keep yeah. them out of the hot afternoon sun here in Newcastle, it's a good thing. Uh, I'll, I'll try and make some investigations about that for you, mate. We'll, uh, get, we'll get back to you. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thanks for that, Derek. Cheers. Okay, okay, come on. And we have got Wayne from New Lambton. He's got a question about his mandarins. How can we help you with it, Wayne? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it used to fruit quite well as an emperor or an imperial mandarin, one of the two. Um, I've got two species, but one seems to be doing it really tough. It, uh, it's, it's lost all its fruit a couple of years ago, just fell off, it wouldn't fully form, and it's got like a die back on the end. Okay, mate, yeah. how, how old are the plants? Uh, they'd have to be probably eight years old. Oh, okay, look, that, that's not too old in, in the scheme of no, things, no, really, is no, it? No, no, no. I wish I, wish I could uh, only, you know, sort of uh, put up with eight years. That, that'd be good for me if I could uh, go back that far. Uh, look, I, with your uh, with your mandarin, uh, they look they citrus love regular feeding about three times a year, and when they're setting fruit, plenty of water. The other thing to do is once they're finished fruiting, is to give them a really good old cutback because it just the fruit right. comes back on that new growth. So sort of leaving it and leaving it year after year. All you're going to do is push the fruit further up the tree. And, uh, you know, and, and the, the bark and, and the, the limbs are going to get woodier and there's going to be more chance of insect incursion into some, you know, any cracks or anything in the bark. Now, the other thing, I was down uh, talking to some people the other day in their garden and I noticed that their citrus had a lot of louse scale all over it. It's like little white spots uh, all over the plant. Yeah, you think, yeah. oh, well, look, that's not a very big uh, insect at all. But when you've got probably a million of them on the plant sucking away, mm -hmm. it's going to do mm -hmm. a lot of damage to your plant. Uh, over time, you know, it dries out the bark, it cracks it, and then bigger and worse insects can get in there as well. So you'd use anti-scale, uh, you know, malathon and white oil mixed together to get rid of that. Uh, yeah, mate, I've done that, yeah. yeah so, I've done, 
But look, that, I've done that, that I had. I have stink beetles on at one stage. Yeah, so look, all of these things will come back. They're, they're recurring problems. They're, you know, louse scars, not just something you, you know, you do once. You might have to do it, you know, a number of times throughout the season to keep it under control. Uh, so look, just in general, I'd say probably give your plant a cut back once it's finished, uh, once it's finished uh, fruiting and flowering. Uh, make sure yeah. it's being really well fertilised three times a year with a bag of poultry manure around it. And uh, as well yeah, as that, yeah. if you've got some sulphate of potash, uh, you can mix that up yeah, and water, yeah, water that yeah. into the soil. And not just once, again, that's something you do on a recurring basis to build up potash in the soil and that promotes the fruiting and flowering of the plant. What, like a dynamic lifter three uh, times a year? Yeah, look, you could so do that, but I, I reckon poultry manure just by itself is fine. Oh, poultry manure by itself. Yep, you can do that. And there's yeah. also those... And potash. Potash, yeah. and there's also those other citrus, uh, you know, fertilisers. You can get the granular ones. Give those a go as well. Yeah. What about uh, putting, a, like, a mulch around it? Yeah, look, certainly that's not a problem at all. Make sure it's not piled up around the trunk because you can get collarot if you start right. piling yeah. mulch yeah, up. Yeah. But, yeah, look, certainly that's not a problem. Make sure it's sugar cane because you just want a nice uh, pH-neutral mm-hmm. mulch around a citrus tree. Right. What should its pH roughly be about? Uh, yeah, look, they actually like it slightly alkaline, so six and a half to seven will be fine for a citrus right. plant. Yep. Yeah. No worries. Thanks very much, Scott. Okay, well, not a problem. You. Okay, good luck with it. Thank you. Bye. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Wayne. We've got Rod from Spears Point, and he needs advice about feeding and fertilising his elkhorns and staghorns. How can we help you with them, Rod? Hey, good day, mate. How are you going? Yeah, pretty well. Um, no, I've just purchased some uh, staghorns and elkhorns for out the back under the awning, and... Um, I'm just wondering what the best thing is to feed them and fertilise them with. Like I've been told a few different things, like banana peel and two leaves and all that, but I haven't been. I don't really know what to sort of feed them. Yeah, look, you have to be pretty careful with uh, you know those elk horns and stag horns uh, because you naturally sort of burn them out from the you know from the inside out if you uh, fertilise them with the wrong thing. And so the you know your person uh, you know he gave you sort of the correct. uh, correct money there when he told you to use banana peels they're a nice safe fertilizer to use they just break down uh, inside the plant and they'll give it a feed Uh, blood and bone also is a way to go blood and bones are really sort of soft fertilizer you can use it on natives any sort of plants and you can use it just sprinkle some in around the top of your uh, your stag or your elk and give it a go that way Uh, but look mate anything else um, yeah be very very careful i'll just stick with you know those couple there Um, sometimes uh, you know the elks can get a uh, you know a borer going through them and yep. you have to be very careful about if you're going to use an insecticide uh, in general i have recommended using confidor at half strength and you just sort of water that through as a drench if you get any borer problems with them yep okay then and how often should you like water them and everything like uh look if they're in under the shade you could probably just get you know two three times a week um, yep. You know, it's going to drain away with them. So overwatering is yeah. not generally a problem with them. Uh, but look, you know, the heat we've had at the moment, uh, you know, if they're getting any sun hitting on them, they're going to dry uh, out. And... They're getting just indirect sunlight. Oh, that, that's fantastic. So it sounds like they're in the right right spot. But look, yeah. they don't require a great deal of water. Um, you know, where they are on trees and things, you know, it's meant, you know, that as that water cha- you know, channels down or funnels yeah, down, down, the, the bark, bark yeah. it actually goes in and gives it a go. So I guess they're slightly parasitic in a way. Um, but yeah, so give it a go with the uh, the blood and bone or the banana skins. That'll be great. Okay, thanks, mate. Thanks okay, thanks, help. Rod. Have a good All afternoon, right. mate. You too. Cheers. Cheers, Rod Scott. We've got time for one more caller, and it's Robin from Raymond Terrace, and she's got a question about mango trees. How can we help you with it, Robin? Um, I've had a, I planted one about three years ago. Yes. And this year, for the first time, about eight weeks ago, we had five 
mangoes about the size of a small plum and then they had it like a black mark through them and they fell off the tree. I wondered when they do fruit and what do I need to do to look after it and get decent fruit when it does come. Yeah, so uh, mangoes get a thing called anthracnose and it's like uh, we were talking to Max from Blackhall's Park earlier on about his capsicum. It sort of uh, can be on the leaves but it also comes down through the flower, through the bud of the uh, mango tree and it sort of becomes a rot uh, and it's a fungal problem and then it goes down into the fruit and it's manifested itself the way you've described there with the black spots on the fruit. Uh, so for your money, you need to get some Mancozeb Plus and next year, uh, when you see the flowers starting to form on the plant, that's when you start spraying with the Mancozeb to protect that uh, fungal disease, you know, staying there in the, in the flower and then spreading down into the fruit as it forms. Oh, yes, okay. And do I need to, do I need to feed it with anything throughout the year? Oh, look, like... you, yeah, you can certainly feed a mango tree. Uh, look, you could just feed it with a normal old, uh, you know, citrus food. Uh, if, if you want some cow manure as well, that'll, that'll help it along. And, of course, you want it to flower. So if you've got some sulphate of potash, uh, you can give that, uh, you know, start using that throughout the year and, uh, and uh, just build it up in the soil and you get lots and lots of yummy mangoes. Thank you so much. And would four years be normal to get some fruit? Uh, yeah, that's about right. Uh, it, you know, the plant has to be fairly mature to get a, you know, a fair bit of fruit on there. Okay. Thank, okay. Cheers. Thank, thank you for you that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Robin. That's all we've got time for, Scott. It's, oh, no. It's all over. Oh, no. And Valentine's Day tomorrow, chances? Uh, probably not much. Yeah. Just sitting in the shower crying to myself, I yeah. think. Singing <laughs> Easy Lover. <laughs> Pretty slim here. We'll have to talk about passion fruit next week. Will do. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>